You're listening to the Living Inside Out podcast, and I'm your host, Tux Arutari. This is episode 74. Welcome to the Living Inside Out podcast, where we believe in rising above our challenges. Episode 74 is The Journey of a Tenacious Entrepreneur with Sherry Bloom. I am thrilled to have my dear friend and sister, Sherry Bloom, on the podcast today. I've only just started to have guests on and I knew this day would come because she is absolutely amazing. Interestingly enough, we haven't met in person, but we feel like we have. We both do. So I'm going to read her her, um, professional bio and then introduce her through that. Sherry Bloom has an extensive background in design, art, and marketing, which began 25 years ago when she pioneered the field of nursery interior design. Sherry became a nationally renowned interior designer and artist through her firm, Jack and Jill Interiors Incorporated. Her designs and line of custom children's artwork quickly became a favorite among celebrities such as the cake boss, Buddy Velastro, Mario Lopez, Jodie Sweeten, Tori Spelling, Angela Kinsey, John O'Hurley, and more. Her designs were featured on HGTV, People Magazine, In Touch Magazine, OK Magazine, Extra TV, The Wall Street Journal, and more. Sherry, welcome to Living Inside Out. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to be here, and I'm thrilled to be able to speak somewhat face-to-face with you. Yes, <laughs> this is a I'm real sure. joy. I have looked forward to this day forever. I mean, I would have loved it if we were physically in person, but we thank God for Zoom. So excited to at least see your face and still be able to have this conversation. So yes. I have to tell the people how we met or how I even got to know about you in the first instance. So as you know, dear listeners, I used to run a baby furniture company in the United States in Atlanta, Georgia, moved over there. My husband and kids and I, we all moved there on an adventure. There we were thinking, hey, we're going to go in there to live the life. And everything was great. It was wonderful. And that was how I got introduced into the world of interiors because I purchased a beautiful baby furniture store. And Sherry was known or is known in that space of high-end nursery interiors as royalty. Like she, I think it was only your name, Sherry, and what was her name? There's another lady. There's only other two. There were you were the only you were one of only two people that I'd had ever heard of that specialized in nursery design. And I thought that was so cool and so different. So how did you even get into it, Sherry? Well, thank you for all of that wonderful intro. I, <laughs> I don't, I don't really think of it to that level, but thank you for the, for the great intro. I, I kind of stumbled into it. Honestly, I had always been a very artistic person. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was little, I was always doodling, you know, and, and we didn't have much in the way of, of money, but my parents, whenever they would buy me a gift, it was always a, you know, a pad and some pencils or paints and a, you know, a canvas. So they really nurtured my artistic side. Mm -hmm. I had decided when I was in high school at one point, I wanted to be an interior designer and I was going to go to art school, but my life kind of took me another path. I actually was given the advice not to get a degree in design at that time Mm -hmm. by my aunt who had a degree in design. 
And she basically said, um, you know, it's, it's difficult to get work sometimes. And this was back in the Mm eighties. And so she said, you know, get a degree in something you can fall back on, because if you've got a natural talent for design, you'll you'll be able to do it. it. You'll be able to learn it and do it. So I went to school for education, secondary education, social studies, and I got my degree there. And it was great because I was able to make a living there for a while, but Mm -hmm. You know, I, I loved design and decorating. So I, I just started decorating for some neighbors who would ask, they liked my home, you know, and things like that. Mm-hmm. So I, it kind of took off and I started my own design company, a general design company. And I found that whenever I received a call to do a child's room, which was rare, mm-hmm. but when somebody wanted a mural painted or a baby nursery done, I would get super excited about that like more than, you know, where I couldn't sleep at night, you know, and, and just thinking about how I can get more whimsical and paint murals and, you know, paint the ceilings and all sorts of fun things. And so I, you know, I kind of did a few nurseries and I, I thought this is all I want to do. Mm-hmm. And there were, there were some naysayers, you know, I told people I was going to specialize and people would say to me, well, you know, the, the money's in the, kitchens and the bathroom remodels and the living rooms and dining rooms. And they thought I was crazy to specialize in something so minute as a child's room, you know, people don't spend money on their kids' rooms. That's the last place they spend money is what I was told. So I just said, you know, I'm, I'll, I'll go where the money is. I'll go where people are willing to spend it. And if that means I drive into Manhattan, I'll drive into Manhattan, you know? So I kind of just threw it out there, threw up a website. And before you know it, I was getting calls and it took off from there. And I had to, had to start walking the walk and talking the talk pretty quick. (laughs) And I I didn't look back and, you know, that evolved um, over the years into, you know, my line of artwork. I had briefly a line of bedding and rugs and things like that, that I developed. Yeah. So it, it was, it kind of went in a wave. I, I did started doing the nurseries and then whenever I would paint something special for the nursery, I would get calls for reproductions of that. Mm. I started making reproductions of the artwork and things like that. And that kind of took over for a while. And then I kind of had to license some of those things so I could get back into design, which is what I really wanted. Mm-hmm. But it's been a fun ride. Wow. <laughs> That's so, you know, it's so inspiring because the fact that at that young age, you were advised, don't get a degree in interiors, but somehow in interior design, somehow you managed to still keep that fire burning despite going through a degree in um, in education and, and doing all of that, you still had the courage to go for what you really wanted. And I love that because it means that, I you know, the podcast is called Leaving Inside Out because I truly believe that if we're going to have any form of impact on our environment, on the outside world, it has to begin from the inside. And it means that you start by listening to who you are on the inside and what you truly desire. And regardless of what's happening around you, you go for what you truly want because it brings you joy. So I I, I find that so inspiring. And I remember um, Oopsie Daisy. So you had your art with Oopsie Daisy, didn't you? I did. And I still have a few pieces with them. Wow. I haven't put the energy into creating new designs over the Mm -hmm. past few years. So a lot of my designs were 
what I would say were perennial favorites for over a decade, little mm-hmm. princess things and prince things, mm-hmm. but they're kind of, you know, the wild, the, the, um, woodlands creatures have taken over <laughs> and, uh-huh. and nature, you know, themes of nature have taken over. So my, my products aren't as popular and they're not making the sales as, as they used to. That's so that's used okay. To. It's all part of that evolution that we've spoke about recently and being willing to change and and being willing to let go Mm. and accept. Exactly. I agree. Absolutely. The world is changing. You know, things are, that is a lesson like, you know, we're talking about recently that I have only just accepted. I've, um, I'm in that season in life where I'm learning about acceptance. And when I think about what I was doing prior I think I used to look at life in very polarized, in a very polarized form. It was either very good or very bad. So if it's not very good, then it means it's very bad and there is no in between. But I find myself in that in between, in in between phase of life where I have to accept that the negative is very much a part of life and it's not necessarily a bad thing. Like you can grow through challenges and you can evolve through challenges as opposed to sprint into the finish line and just like, you know what, I can't wait for this season to be over, which has been how I've typically done it. So I I, I can see how, but, you know, I think about your other businesses as well and how you've just evolved. So even though you're not doing as much interiors or art as you used to, but then you've moved on to other things, haven't you? I have, and you know that, as you mentioned, those seasons of change are, are are difficult. And I had a really difficult time putting Jack and Jill interiors and my nursery artwork line on the back burner. And mm-hmm. there was a time when I felt like I had to keep producing, mm-hmm. even though maybe life was so busy, I really probably shouldn't have been where I would sit and paint and sit and paint and just mm-hmm. create new designs because I wanted more artwork out there. I wanted to sell more. Mm-hmm. I wanted my artwork on every nursery's mm-hmm. wall, you know, and I was young and yeah. much more, I don't know, more focused on success in, in a different way than I am now. Yeah. And I don't really know how to explain that, but other than I felt for a time as if the world would forget me if I if I stepped back and I loved my place as a nursery designer, I loved the fact that I had kind of been at the forefront of something that people hadn't done previously. Right. You mentioned the other designer. It was probably Shalina Smith. Gaga yes, design. it was. It was Shalina. It was Shalina. Yes. Yeah. She's, oh my gosh. She's another beautiful soul. If you haven't really met her, you, you I should. Heard. We've chatted she, a couple of times on Instagram and I remember she did uh, P. Diddy's twin girl nurseries back then, nursery room back then. Yes, she did. And then um, yeah. Kyra Banks did a show where she replicated that nursery, but used my artwork in it. So it was really oh kind God. of cool. And, yeah. So kind of like, how can you do P. Diddy's nursery on a budget? And so Shalina did that with her. And, oh. and it was really, Shalina is just a, a, a really inspirational person. So mm-hmm. I, I, I do recommend you. I have to reach out to her and talk to her for sure. <laughs> she's evolved quite a bit too. And, mm-hmm. and she's just a, a real class act. So yeah, it it was really fun to be something that, Mm -hmm. that nobody else was, you know, that was, Mm -hmm. I held on very tightly and dearly to that. And I, you know, I was in my thirties when I, Mm -hmm. when I was doing all of that. So as time went on and I realized that I was letting other things go in my life that I shouldn't, I was a 
kind of a stay at home mom with my boys, but they were growing up so quickly and their father was not around much Mm -hmm. at all. Mm -hmm. So I felt as if I was dividing my energy too much, but Mm -hmm. I kept driving forward with my career because I kept thinking, well, my kids aren't going to need me in a few years. My kids are going to outgrow me. They're going to go to high school and they're going to be involved in things that I'm going to be home bored to death and missing my kids. And I need to have something else. So I was so ambitious and continuing to build it that I feel like in some respects, Mm-hmm. While I was there physically, sometimes I wasn't there mentally mm-hmm. when we were having family dinners or family time. And so I looked back on that after, gosh, it, it was only in recent years that I looked back on it and thought, okay, it, you really do need to step back mm-hmm. because they're becoming men mm-hmm. and you're going to miss out. <laughs> so I started looking at things through a different lens and I haven't regretted That's letting sweet. it go because I figure what, you know, something good will come my way. You know, Mm -hmm. I I remember when Luke, my youngest, my oldest was a toddler. He was Mm -hmm. two, I think, maybe not quite two. Mm -hmm. And I wanted so badly to leave my teaching career and be home with him. This Mm -hmm. was before I was designing. And I, I remember saying to my husband, like, I just want to be home with him. I don't like putting him in daycare. and, And I'm, I'm, I'm doing lesson plans in the evenings and he's tugging on me, wanting my attention and I'm correcting papers. And I just didn't have the energy for him after being with other students all day long. And I said to my husband, I'll do anything. Let's sacrifice, whatever. Let's take the, let's get rid of cable television. We'll get rid of everything. We can turn off the lights. I don't care. I want to be home. So he said, okay, okay. You put in your resignation, you know, and I was, I'm not a quitter. So I finished out the school year, but I put in my resignation Mm -hmm. to end with that school year. The day I did it, I came home my from work and I was feeling some anxiety and my husband came home from work and he said, I said, well, I did it. He said, you're not going to believe this, but I was given a raise today <gasps> wow. and he would never got raises. So it was, to me, that was a God sign. You know, yeah. I was like, ah, that was the right decision. I did the right thing. And then I stayed home with the boys and it gave me time with them. But then all of a sudden I started this design thing because people were asking me to start this design Mm -hmm. thing. And so that's when things kind of snowballed again. So I I kind of get myself caught up in work because I love work. Yes. That I have a hard time balancing it with family obligations and family life. And I have to keep pulling myself back. Yeah. You know, I get that. I get that so much because, um, and it's because you're doing what you love, you know, you, you're blessed in the sense that you've always done what you wanted to do. It's not saying that it was easy, but the fact that you had a choice in your art or the using your creativity, and you know how it is with creative people. We, we get fed by our work. You know, some people work and they get drained by work. But you and I, we work and our work actually feeds us and and energizes us. So it makes it difficult to pull away from it, isn't it? It is. And I, you know, and I I know that's such a blessing, you know, I I mean, how many people wake up in the morning and say, I love what I do. I'm excited Mm -hmm. to start working today. I know that's a blessing because I have friends who don't feel that. That's right. And they are drained at the end of the day. And we're. I'm just like, I don't know when to stop. Like, oh my goodness, it's six o'clock and yeah. I haven't thought about dinner, you know? <laughs> so right. uh, I can keep going, it, yeah. but it, but then I have to reel myself back in because I do love my children. I do love yeah. my husband and, yes. and I need to take that break. I struggle mm. with that mm. more than anything. 
Yeah, I hear I hear you on that. It's um it's a real thing. I had a season where and and for me that brings a could potentially at least for me was bringing causing me to get into a state of mom guilt um you know as I worried that I was leaving ignoring my children or ignoring the family and I did this thing one day and this was literally the Holy Spirit helped me and said okay you know what you because I felt like I was I felt like I was dropping all the balls and I felt like my whole life was like a like a pile of balls left on a table and everything was falling off the table and so got this idea to uh, categorize my life into five different areas and I had a piece of A4 paper and I drew five lines down from the top to bottom the first one had um, home uh, no had house not home the second one had family and then it had there was the business then there was my writing because that's an important part of me and then there was me and the idea was to make sure was to really think about have a brainstorm session and think about what's the minimum I want to happen in all of these areas to say that I've done something there and my intention was to actively make sure that I was picking something from the list and doing something every day so that I would have some kind of balanced life but what ended up happening was I began to notice that I was doing a whole lot in all of these areas, even though it didn't feel like I was. So for example, I'm going up the stairs and I see some child has dropped their toy on the floor or their sock and I pick it up and I'm like, that's it, I blessed my house today. Um, Someone comes back from school and they're telling me about their day and I stop in looking the child in the eye and listening and hugging them. That's me blessing my family. Every time I made a meal and we all had a successful dinner that day. That's me blessing the family. So I noticed that I began to, I was doing a whole lot in those areas, but I just wasn't acknowledging it. So I'm sure that even then where you feel like you may have been being pulled away from work for so much, there was so much you were doing too, but possibly not even acknowledging that area. Would you, would you agree? I do agree. And it, and it's, It's great whenever you take a moment and you ask your children, you know, what do you remember most or what was most, what was your fondest memory of middle school or high school or our family vacations? And, Mm -hmm. you know, I try to do that every once in a while with my sons. I have two sons and they're both grown men now, 29 and uh, almost 24. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's funny the things that they hold on to that you Mm -hmm don't think it's going to be, you know, you might think, oh, it's the trip to Disney or it's the expensive elaborate vacation mm-hmm. or whatever, but no, it's things like every Sunday we would, you know, go fishing or every, you know, the, the weekend that we all just went to the, my parents' farmhouse with no television and, you know, mm-hmm. talk to them for a weekend or wow. the little things like, you know, just reading a book to them when they were little, you know, mm-hmm. or the one time we actually, when the boys and I moved out of their father's home and we moved back to Pennsylvania to be close to family, mm-hmm. when we separated, mm-hmm. we lived in a, in a little bit of a rundown house. It was a, it was a house that my brother had owned that was, you know, had been a beautiful home in its day, but he'd used it for a rental for a while and, mm-hmm. and he kept it nice, but it wasn't like the home we had in the uh, suburbs of Baltimore. It had one bathroom, you know, things like that. And I remember, you know, my boys 
when we went to look at the house, it kind of needed some painting and we're looking around and the, you know, the bedrooms are small and there's one bathroom and we'd moved from a house with four bathrooms and, wow. and we're looking around the, and my one son says, well, mom, what if we all have to pee at the same time? Oh, you know? <laughs> oh. in the backyard, you boys go out there. You know, I, yes. them and I said, listen, we're not going to sweat the small stuff. We're not going to sweat the small stuff here. We're going to, you know, and so we moved into the home. We made it home. Wow. I made it as homey as I could. Mm. And the boys now look back at that time with fondness. I thought they would resent it. I thought, you know, they were like, you remember that time we didn't really have much money. And, and mm. we said, mom, we want to go down to the tasty treat, you mm. know, because all the kids at school go down there. And, mm. and I kind of gathered up and I'm like, well, we can each get a milkshake and we can share a large fry. You know, <laughs> and so we went, we did that. They talk about that to this day. That's been, you know, 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. They're like, that was fun. We made yes. the best of our situation. So mm-hmm. they hold on to different things than we expect them. And we expect on. that's a good, such a valid point. But when you look back, do you, did you think at the time that you were somehow that they were losing out when you think about that season? How did you feel? I did. I felt a lot of guilt. Because mm. I, they were young enough. My one son was in elementary school in the fourth grade. My other son was a sophomore in high school. Mm. So they, there's a six-year gap between them. So it was it was kind of difficult because I felt, you know, I had to take them away from their friends. Yes. Started a new school district, a new neighborhood. Everybody lived in our neighborhood was their best friends. Mm. And so we left our support system and the three of us moved. And I felt so much guilt. Mm. And I you know, I didn't really have any career other than my design career, which was difficult to do then as a completely single parent with no neighbors that could help me pitch in. Mm-hmm. So I really focused on my artwork line at that time. And I was, they, they joke now about the tape gun, hearing me packaging <laughs> that ripping of the tape wow. gun, you know, they'd be like, we were trying to sleep for school and mom's down there ripping the tape gun oh, and packaging no. at night. I had to force myself to put work aside when they were home at that mm-hmm. point and then pick it up again after they went to bed. I had a lot of guilt that I don't think I needed to have. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) They're looking back with fondness and, hey, that was the best time. We had wonderful memories there. Yeah. They felt a little empowered. They did something they didn't realize they could do or were strong enough to do. And that was to start over with me. And the three of us became very close because we were all we had. That's Uh beautiful. That's really, you know, and it's in those moments as well of, just the intensity where I feel like when your comfort has been stripped away, we're left with the authentic version of ourselves and we connect even better because we had a a similar experience as well. When we came back from the US, having lost everything, we were all squeezed into a two bedroom apartment and to have come from a nice big house in Atlanta where we had you know, cars at our disposal and we had a business and life was perfect. And we, there's something about Atlanta. I don't know if I would say it's the United States, but there is something about, maybe I should do it the other way around. There's something about time in London that flies quicker than anywhere else on earth. And so you, we had even extra time when we, when we lived in the US and the boys had they were friends with everyone in our subdivision and everything was great and then to come back and get squeezed into a two-bedroom flat I felt so guilty 
I felt so guilty, but now we talk about it and we laugh and they laugh as well. I remember there was a time when our treats was buying our bread from Max and Spencer's, which is one of Britain's uh, premier food companies. I mean, Max and Spencer's do everything from clothing, but they have a food hall and they make the best food. So they make the best bread and we would get the cheaper bread throughout the week. And then once in a while, once every other week, we'll be, we'll have enough to splurge on a loaf of bread from MS. And and they they'd laugh about it and they still do. So you're I hear you when you say that you felt a lot of guilt that you didn't need to feel because the things that the children wanted was you. And you sacrificed by making sure that you were fully present with them when they were out of school and then when they went back to school. You went back to work, and so you're you're pretty much you were. It's almost like you were working twenty four seven, but somehow you made it work. Well done. I made it, and you know, it, it, I I think, you know, that mom guilt we both just spoke about when we had to take away luxuries from our children. Mm-hmm. As I've gotten older, and and you know, I'm I'm fifty five years old now, and and you know, I've learned a lot. I still mm-hmm. have a lot to learn. I know that, and then the more the older I get, the more I realize that. Taking away those luxuries, I think, honestly, makes them better people. You get to see also the the true person in your child. How do they deal with this adversity? And I'd rather my children experience adversity when I'm there to guide them. Yes. Because if we just, you know, for lack of a better word, spoil them, you know, or or give them everything Mm -hmm. that they could possibly dream of as children, when we're gone or when they're grown and maybe we're just not as easily accessible to them, how are they going to handle adversity if they've never experienced it under the guidance of somebody who loves them and can guide them through it? I agree. I absolutely agree. They wouldn't even know that it's adversity. They wouldn't know that it's for a season. They come very quickly to conclusions about how negative it is or or maybe even point to themselves as being flawed or something like that so I do I absolutely agree and even for this generation so our children are about the same age my well my oldest and and your youngest are about the same age and um, I'm looking at this generation and how comfort and ease seems to be the order of the day like how can I make life comfortable and easy for my child and the truth is like you said they need to be able to experience adversity but even better when they can do it under the guidance of a parent who can help them and and support them through it. So it's not about stopping them from suffering or stopping them from going through hard hard situations, but being there while they're going through it and while they're navigating it so that we're there for them and we can be the support for them. And then they can go into the world and not be brats (laughs) and not annoy everyone out there because they don't know how to behave. Yes. And to, I, you know, our ultimate goal is to prepare them to leave us, Mm. you know, and, and to go on, you know, and live their lives. And, you know, I know um, there are people who I hear them say, you know, my, my child is my best friend. And I think about that word a lot, Mm -hmm. best friend. And, you know, I, I want my children to love me and depend on me and look to me for advice, but I want them to have other people as their best friend. That's right. I love that. Because I, I shouldn't be their best friend. I should be their parent. I should be a, a friend. Right. I should be their parent first and foremost. And that's a completely different relationship. And mm-hmm. I feel as if we make our children too dependent upon them or we put the pressure on them to be our best friend, mm-hmm. they won't spread their wings and go on and live their life the way they should live it. 
So as much as we want to hold on to those babies and, and keep them close, I'm learning that I have to prepare them better to let go. And they'll always come back. You know, they, they, they'll, yeah. you raise them right. They'll come back and they'll spend time with you. And exactly. And they're not, it's not like they're swapping one relationship for the other. You know, they can have a parent and have a best friend somewhere somewhere else at the same time. Build relationships with people and have a unique parent-child relationship with us as their parents. Yes. So, yeah, I hear you. So was what sort of uh, challenges have you faced in your business journey? Because I know you've also got Bourbon Cowgirl, which I saw you had put on Insta. Was it on Instagram or Facebook? And you said something about getting back into it or resurrecting it. Or did I dream that? No, I did. I did. Yeah. <laughs> okay. She's, she's coming back like a phoenix. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. And I thought, oh, I, I'm so glad I'm here to watch how that's going to play out because just judging from your past businesses and just your personality and I'm really being inspired by you Sherry I've got to be honest because as you're speaking I feel you know I'm in the middle part of my business the baby cut shop and it's been a very interesting last few months where I've been like oh my goodness can I even handle this at all but hearing you talk about your business journey and how you manage to juggle family life and everything is giving me a fresh wind that I desperately need. So I'm excited uh, to watch Bourbon Cowgirl. And I think I'm just going to watch you and use that journey as my inspiration to keep going as well. Well, thank you. I think you give me too much credit. I I felt the same about you and that really your journey in faith has brought me back closer to God, you know, because you, you send out these, even just these quick little quips, you know, on an almost daily basis. And, or you, you talk about life in a way that a lot of my friends don't, you, you really have a lot of um, insight and, and I don't know, I just feel like you're a very, very wise woman, very wise woman in so many aspects of life. And if you're struggling, you know, in some way with your, the idea of your business or something with your business, you've got it. I know you got it. And because you have such strong faith and you have a good support system. And I think that's number one, we build, we have to build that. And I, I, for a while, I neglected some of that. I kept thinking, Oh, like, just like right now, I neglect exercise. <laughs> you know, yeah. I neglect myself. You talked about the five different columns you put on that paper. Yes. yes. I forget about my health mm. and I keep thinking I'm still young. I'm vibrant. Well, I had 55 last month and I'm thinking, oh my goodness. But you you look so amazing. And that's where the deception comes in. It's like, you're looking in the mirror, you're seeing this chick who looks like she's in her thirties and you feel great and you have ideas and you started uh, the kayak jack and goodness knows what else you're planning on starting (laughs) even as we're speaking today. So I can, I can understand why you'll forget about your health. I can, I'm not agreeing with it, but I can so understand. It's going to sneak up on me and it has started to sneak up on me. So that's my goal for this year is to, Mm -hmm. is to pay more attention to my mental health and physical health. Mm -hmm. But Bourbon Cowgirl is really a fun, fun business. And I, I started it during COVID, the COVID shutdowns. Um, I started dreaming about it and it's really, you know, what I think inspired it was watching women's relationships with one another and being, you know, as I said, I moved to this area after my divorce from the boy's father Mm -hmm. and 
I was new in the area. I didn't have a lot of relationships here. It was hard to find women. You know, I was in my forties and to build new relationships at that point in your life, they all had their friends in the area already. And I kept thinking there's no room for me. Mm So I was watching how women would size each other up Mm -hmm. or cut each other down behind each other's backs. And, and, you know, the, the one woman that in this area that, um, is one of my dearest friends, she's very, very faith-filled, beautiful, looks like she just jumped off the cover of a magazine thin and, and, you know, fit and, you know, just this aura of health and happiness and love and beauty. And her family has their issues like everybody else, but in the, in the local area, her her family's wealthy as well. And, you know, we're wealthy in comparison. Mm -hmm. Other women would talk about her or, you know, like, well, she's, you know, it's life's easy for her type of thing. Mm -hmm. And she's such a beautiful soul. And she just, I watched how she just doesn't even pay attention to it. She just kind of lets it roll. And she finds people in her world that aren't judging her in that way. Mm -hmm. And then she, So we became friends over time and I started thinking about that. And I thought I need more women like her in my life, women who don't gossip, women who don't Mm. put each other down. And Mm. so I started celebrating that a little bit. And I really built this great little tribe around me of women like that. And it's just so wonderful to be around women like that, that aren't jealous. If you have something they don't have, they're not jealous. Or if you're prettier than they feel they are, they're not jealous, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and it's speaking about where beauty that that could be gone tomorrow. You have to build what's inside. That's right. I wanted bourbon cowgirl to be a place where women would build each other up and where, you know, bourbon cowgirl kind of is, is a tongue in cheek kind of, you know, my alter ego or whatever you call it. You know, oh, I, no. I always wear my cowboy boots and I yes. love a good sniff of bourbon. <laughs> and your hats you know, as well. <laughs> my cowboy hat. Yeah, yeah, I've got more red boots than I should ever admit to having. Oh. But um I I kind of wanted to be comfortable with who I was. I remember, you know, one day wearing my red boots to an event at this kid's school and seeing these women like, you know, and <laughs> And they were probably like, well, why is she wearing that? Yeah, why, who has the nerve to wear red cowboy boots with her feet? So That's I thought, bold. I love it. Yeah. So I thought, why not? So, right. you know, I, I was quickly able to weed out the people that weren't meant to be my friends that way. Mm-hmm. So, so I thought I'm going to embrace who I am. I'm going to be bold in who I am right. and not care. If pe- the people that don't like it, they're not my tribe. Mm, that's right. And, I love that. But I don't need to be mean. I don't need to talk about them. I don't need to put them down. They're just not my tribe. That's not so, your tribe. Yeah. That's yeah. It. So it, it evolved from that. And and really it's I like to sell fun little things, gifts mm. you would give your girlfriends. You know, I know when I get together, in fact, next this coming weekend, I'm going away with four, five of my friends, some of my best friends from college, and we go away every spring to a little lake house. Right. And we celebrate life. We cry, we laugh, we pray. And um, it's really good for all of us. And just to be able to, to be together is great, but we all bring each other these little gifts, you know? And, it, and so we, I know that I started to notice that women love to give each other little gifts for no reason at all. That's right. You know? That's so right. I, I've built the site to be a place where you could go and find those fun little daily gifts for your girlfriends. Oh, love so, 
Uh, it's, it's fun. <laughs> oh my goodness I love that and I, I agree when you say about um building your tribe and when you decided that you were going to be yourself and just you know what I'll wear my red cow boots if I want to and I'm going to be me that's when being authentic really starts to be a blessing because the people who are meant to be in your space recognize you you're not pretending to be someone else you're not putting forward an image an embellished version of yourself but you're going as you and the people who are also authentic and are designed and God had intended to connect with you will recognize you because you know to especially now with this in the social media era where we have the capability of presenting an image to the world that's not ours you know we can choose pick and choose who we want to look like today and sell that image to the world for no particular reason. There's no benefit to us, but we do it anyway, or people do it. It means that you are, you are, you're at risk of attracting the people who will not gel with you, who you're not going to connect with. And that can be dangerous because, you know, you end up exposing yourself to pain and hurt and disappointment by having the wrong people in your space. So do you ever have, so, so Bob and Cowgirl is, is like merchandising and gifts. Is that right? But we also celebrate strong women. Um, and we have a blog, uh, that needs to be resurrected. And basically we, we celebrate a woman who is a survivor or a thriver Mm -hmm. or somebody who's doing something unique, or just wants to share her journey, Mm -hmm. just as you and I are doing right now, where, you know, she's overcome something she, she talks about it and we celebrate her journey and who she is, you know, every, anybody can be a a quote bourbon cowgirl. And, Mm -hmm. but we started doing at the end of each blog, after we would interview this particular woman, we would put together a little icon, so to speak of her alter ego, like, you know, and then we'd make, we'd make her like a glass or a tumbler and send it to her with like the symbols of like, I'd have to look at them because it's been a, over a year since we've done it and I'm just yeah. resurrecting it. But maybe if she spoke about her faith, we oh. would put a cross in it. Oh. Um, oh. And she would tell, you know, book, books were important. We'd put a book in it and we'd kind of put together her little alter ego emblem for her and celebrate what makes her unique and what is important to her. Wow. Because I think as women, we need each other and we need to support each other because mm-hmm. while we may have some really wonderful men in our lives, you and I are both blessed with that. I have, you know, my sons, and my husband, and you have the same. Yes. There's nothing like girlfriend time. There's nothing like girlfriends. It's true. You're it's absolutely really- right. There's nothing like girlfriends. We nurture a little more, you know, we can hug each other, cry on our show on each other's shoulders and, mm-hmm. and be weak in front of one another. And then gain strength from that interaction. Right. I agree. I absolutely agree. What part has your faith played in your journey? And how has that, have you, how have you, how has your faith helped you if it has in your journey as mom, wife, the challenges you've been through, growing businesses and so on? It's, I've always had a strong faith, but I've had a very unique faith journey. So mm-hmm. I was raised Christian. When I was 16, um, and I I must say my, so my family, my dad was Catholic. My mom was Protestant. So 
we would go to both churches. You know? We're so, twins. We have the we have the same parents and the same childhood and the same life. Okay. <laughs> oh, see, I knew um, we were sisters. Yeah. <laughs> we look so much alike too, you know. We do. Oh. We do. I just got my hair looking differently today. <laughs> <from Yeah. that. laughs> oh, yeah, isn't that beautiful? So it, it, you know, we we drew we were drawn to each other as soul sisters here. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I it was, it was tough as a teenager going to two churches in a weekend. I kind of wanted to go on dates too. Right. So, you know, I was like, how do I reconcile this? Oh, I can't go on a date because Saturday night we've got mass, you know? <laughs> oh. So I go to one Saturday night, one on Sunday morning. And then at about 16, my mother says to me, I think I understand the Catholic church enough okay. to, want to convert. Oh. And she said, it's up to you if you want to or not. And I said, okay, I'll, you know, I'll do it because I, I respected it. And, you know, at the end of the day, there are a lot of varieties in the way it's practiced, but it's That's all still right. Christianity. We all still believe in Jesus Christ as our savior. Absolutely. Right. And, Absolutely. and so we converted, I started going, started going to the, to the, the, the convent after okay. school on Wednesdays. So I'm walking from the, from the high school to the convent after school to, to learn from Scottish nuns. Wow. How to be a Catholic. And so I got teased a lot, you right. know, and, and people were teasing, oh, she's going to study to be a nun. I was thinking, that's oh. so brave at 16. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was quite interesting. And, but I embraced it. I loved it. I went through the sacraments and, and converted and was married in the Catholic church then. And I was very involved in, in the church. Mm. I joined the ladies sodality, which is, you know, they've made rosaries for third world countries and cleaned the church and all sorts of fun stuff. So I was like 40 years younger than the youngest member. It was kind of funny. I was the only young one there, but it was, it was, it, I fed my soul a little bit through mm. learning from the older women in the group. So that was really great. But as time went on and, and I went through a divorce, things changed there. Mm. I still love the Catholic faith, but it was difficult because, you know, I, I couldn't enjoy the sacraments anymore because I had divorced because, oh my gosh, that's true. That is so true. Wow. Yeah. But it's okay. I, you know, I've, I've stayed strong and true to my faith. Um, And what I've done is I've basically, you know, I started going to Christian church, local, you know, Mm -hmm. Protestant church. And I really do enjoy that. I don't go every Sunday. I'd I'd like to, Mm -hmm. but I really enjoy it. And I, I enjoy celebrating God with other people. Mm -hmm. I've kind of always held, held myself to this, to this kind of concept that when something comes into my life, something's presented to me that I'll pray about it. And I will pray for God's guidance in it. I'm not going to try to force anything. And I think we mentioned this the other day when we spoke. Yes. When something wonderful comes along, like a, a an opportunity for some notoriety. It, at one point, HGTV Canada was courting me a little bit and talking about doing a nursery design show. And I I prayed about it because I was really, really busy at that point in my life with my with my family. And I had put Jack and Jill Interiors somewhat on the back burner. I was still doing it, but I wasn't as active. Exactly. And I wasn't pursuing new clients. Mm-hmm. And this comes along and I prayed about it. And I said, you know, if, if this is good for my family, if it's healthy for my children, mm-hmm. let it be, let it happen. Mm-hmm. If it's not, please put up the roadblocks. God, I, I, mm-hmm. I need the roadblocks because I will keep plugging forward until I see that you don't think this is good for me. Yeah, I so I, I approached life that way and, and it didn't come 
my way. It didn't happen. And and that's great. You're fine. Yeah, I'm fine. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, I don't need to be, I don't need to be a TV person. You know, <laughs> I just don't, it's not something I ever sought out. Mm-hmm. If it would have happened great. I could have, I would have embraced it at the moment, but it wasn't healthy for my family. I, I trust that God took me down the right path mm-hmm. and took it away. Absolutely. Do you know what it to me, Sherry, if it sounds to me like from when you were in your mother's womb, right? You knew yourself, like you, you just seem to have always known yourself. I'm heading to 50. My big five zero is this year. I'm coming to terms with that. And um, I feel like it's only now that I'm really recognizing my own voice and knowing who I am to the point where I'm, I've got the courage to show up as me. I feel like it's only just happening to me now. But with you, when I think about from when you decided you wanted to, you, even though you were advised at that young age not to do an interior design de- um, degree for good reason too, but you still went ahead and did it. And then you somehow knew that you would be okay raising your two boys and you moved across the country to go live somewhere else with them even though you were going to start a very different life from what you had previously and and then you recognized when you needed to pull yourself away from work and spend more time with the boys and and you navigated that as well even though you were not doing it in a beautiful mansion somehow you did that and then you you go into this neighborhood and and you see all these school moms and you're wearing red cowboy boots when everyone's wearing brown stilettos <laughs> or trainers and you're comfortable doing that again and all of that and so it seems to me like you've always had a good grasp on who you are and you've always trusted yourself would that would that be true do you see yourself that way somewhat but not in not completely so i feel <laughs> like i've always wanted to be unique and I've always just wanted to to act and be you know who I who I was as far as like wearing the red boots and mm. being a, a dirty little you know tomboy growing up but I've lost touch with myself a lot too mm. I've had gosh a, a decade where I, I I almost feel like it was just completely lost to me and I fell into deep depression Mm -hmm. Um, because I was trying so hard to make a second marriage work and a blended family work that didn't work. Mm -hmm. It just didn't work. And for numerous reasons I I won't go into, but it was such a dark decade for me. And I lost touch with myself, my faith, my belief in myself. And I just became a puddle. And, and so much of that time is a blur. And it took me a long time to crawl out of that pit and build myself back up. I had a lot of good friends and, Mm -hmm. and actually then at that point, after that second marriage dissolved, um, we were still going through kind of a bit of a difficult divorce, but I met my husband now art Mm -hmm. and I, and he, he was in a bad place. I was in a bad place. We became best friends. We were best friends for several years before we ever thought about being romantic, but I had his support. I had the support of my parents. My parents are very grounded in faith. And my dad in particular, he's always raised us to have an, I can do it attitude. Hmm. I can do it. If I, if I dream it, I can make it happen. 
Mm. You know, he was a dreamer and he always had that attitude. So I think that that's seen me through a lot when it comes to building the businesses. But at the end of the day, I think I've had a, I've had a real roller coaster of a journey with my, with embracing myself and, and treating myself with the respect that, that I should be. So while you see one thing, you know, and and of course, a lot of people see all this public persona, you know, there's a public persona that you, that people see because you don't want to air your dirty laundry on social media, but you don't want to be false. Mm. And that's where you walk a fine line too. How do I balance being my authentic self on Mm. social media with uh, you know, also doing what's necessary to build my business, you know? Right, yeah. I think you do it so well, though. I really do. I've seen the things that you've posted on social media, and I just feel like you have a really good balance. And I know, obviously, no no one's life is perfect. You know, we, we live in a fallen world, so we are expected to have challenges. I also don't believe that we're supposed to be sharing all of our private business out there anyway. So anyone who has an issue with that and feels, hey, she needs to tell us a little bit more about how imperfect her life is, they have issues. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's a great, great balance, I think. Yes, it is. And mm. I think, you know, what you've been sharing with people as far as your faith journey and and just, you know, I don't know, you post such beautiful thoughts and positive messages to people you know, I think that's so much of your calling, oh, you know, you. it really is because it makes a difference to me. Like I, you know, like you said, we've never met in person, but I wake up in the morning and I usually lay in bed and I scroll through <laughs> some things and, and I look for you because oh, I know there's going to be a positive message and that positive message can give me something to take into my day, you know? Oh, that is so nice to hear. Honestly, it really is. I typically only share what I feel like I have handled you know, so in my last yesterday's yesterday was Saturday just gone. Well, for, we're not we're not posting this in real time, but on Saturday I published a, um, a podcast episode, and it's the second time that I have referred to a challenging season. But I'm not ready to say what that challenging season is. You see, but I'm I can't I'm sharing some of the lessons that are coming out of it. You know, like uh, the fact that I it hit me one day who told me it was supposed to be easy, where I felt like I was fighting and trying to force God's hand and force the whole situation. And I was labeling it and saying, this is wrong. I shouldn't be going through this. And the question came, who told you you shouldn't be going through this? Where did you get the playbook that said your life was going to be perfect and And when things were wrong, then it needed to quickly be corrected. And that's kind of where I, when I said about being in learning about not having a polarized view of life, I didn't realize that I'd had that. And now I, I, I realized that I had a relatively good life, but then when trouble shows up, I think, no, I'm not supposed to have trouble. I'm designed to have a good life. And God is showing me now that, no, you are supposed to grow through the trouble, not change it from bad to good. And so I feel a sense of responsibility in a in a way to share the life lessons that I'm learning because I've already been through it anyway. So of what good is it to me if I hoard it and I'm not sure. Does that make sense? Yes, yes. And and isn't it, you know, just to 
I was thinking about how after these hard times or after these hardships and we come through it and we, we look back, Mm -hmm. then we can see, you know, or if we're open to seeing it, we have to be open to seeing it. We can see God's hand through the whole thing. Yes. You know, right. Like, and, and so I, I try each, you know, even just a little odd happening, something unique happens in a day that doesn't typically happen. I think, okay, was that a God message? Was that a little God sign? Was there something in that, that I need to pay attention to, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think, I think back and I don't, again, I was raised kind of Catholic, so we don't quote the Bible much, but um, it's having God childlike faith. It's yeah. there's a scripture having childlike faith. Yeah. I remind myself of that a lot because as a, as a intellectual person, we can talk ourselves out of believing right. so easily. And so I don't allow it. I don't allow those thoughts to come into my head. And I, I think every day I look for God's hand in something and, and in, in the moments that's really been something I've done. I think most of my life, you know, at least my adult life, I look for the signs because they're everywhere, but they're not always big. Yeah. Well, you recognize it, right? Because you're looking for it. So you'll, you have a mindset of you have a, a mindset of expecting God to speak to you through something somehow. I really love that. Wow. Little tiny signs every day. Like they're there. We just have to be open to seeing them and, and we can see him in our, you know, holding our hand through these journeys. And, mm-hmm. you know, I don't, I've been through some really dark times mm-hmm. and I, you know, I know there's times I've, I've, I wouldn't say I ever lost, mm-hmm. but where I've not turned to God as much as I should have. Mm, yeah. And, but I've never, I've never been the type to say, Oh, you know, where were you, God? I know he was there. And then I look back on those dark times and I see, I can then clearly see in hindsight mm-hmm. when he was there and where, how he was there for me. And so I, I try to live my life with that childlike faith. Yeah. I don't study scripture. I wish I, I did. And I plan on it, mm. but you know, mm-hmm. I have to make time. And that's, that's a big flaw for me, making time for that, making time for, you know, for my health. Yeah. So it's, it's something we will work towards as opposed to being a flaw, because, you know, the thing about life is that it's about, we talked about evolution last week, didn't we? Yeah. It's about evolving. And one of the lessons I've learned and I've come away with is to come away from rigid tradition in a sense where the, the being a Christian is defined by X, Y, and Z. Like, you know, if you don't read your Bible every day, and if you don't pray every day, and if you don't do this every day, then there is something wrong with your Christianity. And the truth is, you're praying every day anyway, because you're speaking to God throughout your day. But you may not be kneeling down on your knees, getting down on your knees and putting your hands together and saying, Our Father who art in heaven but you have a relationship with Christ because that's what Christianity is. It's having a relationship with Christ and building that relationship. And God continues to work in you and he continues to take you down the path and bring you to a point where now it's time for you to put my word inside you because my word is life. And it's not, it's not a matter of it's a sin if you don't read the Bible or anything like that, because Jesus has paid for the sins period, but it's, your my word will even help you more than I've been helping you thus far in your journey. So 
Yeah. Oh, wow. I feel like we should start Bible study together, Sherry. I know. I would love that. <laughs> I would love that. We should. We should do something together. Are you going to concede? Do you do you journal? Is what I need to ask you next. Actually. I don't journal, and you know, i I used to I used to write poetry. I used to oh. put my thoughts into poetry, and i I did it as a, as a child. I was always sketching or writing poems, and I'm much like my aunt, my aunt Beverly, who passed away um, a year year and a half ago. Um, she was. I, she was just somebody I just held on so tightly to. She was very faith-filled and very artistic. She wrote poetry too, but I, I stopped writing poetry when a cousin, one of my cousins died. And I, I remember thinking, I can't put my words onto paper. Wow. I left it. I don't know. I just, I just kind of left that part of myself behind because it was such a devastating. I, I felt like I wanted to get it out. What, how I felt about my cousin's death. And I, I stopped writing. Wow. Would you consider starting again? You know, I probably should. I probably should because it was a big part of who I was and it was a beautiful way to get my thoughts out. Yeah. Um, I have thought about art therapy because I do enjoy painting and I've started painting again, not for licensing like with oopsie daisy but more for my personal enjoyment oh wow yeah and I've I've painted I usually paint very happy scenes very light and you know florals or things like that I've somebody once said to me and it was actually a counselor after when I was going through my second divorce and I was going through a really rough time and -hmm. trying to reconnect with myself she said she was she did some art therapy and she said paint the ugly Oh, interesting. Spend, you know, go spend some time and paint what you feel. Even right now, thinking about it, I, I'm, I'm tearing up. I don't know if I can do that. And wow, yeah, I know. Like, it's a very powerful thing because painting is my therapy. Yeah. So, uh, whenever I, whenever I'm painting every stroke of the brush, that's all I'm thinking about. So the rest of the world melts away. All the cares, all the worries oh, melt away. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people do meditation. I've just started doing meditation with my oldest son and, and mm. the cares melt away then. So mm. painting is like meditation for me. So when she said, paint the ugly mm. feelings, I haven't done it yet. And wow. here, <laughs> well, how have you dealt with, how, how did you, uh, I should maybe in present tense as well, when you have ugly feelings or thoughts, how do you process them? I, I probably ruminate more than I should. Okay. You know, and that's something that I've I've been trying to do less of because a lot of a lot of the situation that I was dealing with isn't logical. There's a lot of mm. um there was, you know, um a lot of things that were happening and a lot of interactions mm. where people were not logical. Okay. So that's not that's even a totally different type of scenario in, in it's not even normal like for, yeah, I think I Yeah, there's you know it's 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 personality disorders and things mm. like that. So okay. when you deal with something like that and it doesn't make sense and you keep thinking you, if you if you present love, you present logic, it's going to be rewarded, it's not that's in not many cases. Happen. So I ruminate sometimes over, well, why didn't they understand this? Or why didn't this make sense? Why didn't this change? I gave love, I gave mm. everything and it didn't, it was never given back. Yeah. So 
I think I st- I'm still learning how to deal with those feelings. Mm-hmm. I'm learning to let go. And yeah. I have done really well over the past few years, Absolutely. but it, even in my journey, I'm, I'm seeing growth on a daily basis oh, that's beautiful that's good. Too, yeah. in the right direction. I'm moving in the right direction. You're moving in the right direction. That's really what ha- what matters. I think that we, as humans, we always want to come full circle and we always want to understand why things happen, why people do what they do and leaving things uh, with the strings untied. How do you say it? Tying up with the loose ends (laughs) dangling doesn't sit well with us. And so that might be why we sometimes like, okay, this doesn't make sense. Why didn't this happen? Why didn't that happen? But, you know, that's the great thing. When I think about God somehow, and even just literally a picture of you came to mind now in the palm of God's hand, and there you are in the middle, and it really doesn't matter what makes sense and what doesn't make sense. You're in his hands, and that's all that matters, and you're safe. So that was a very unusual one. I don't normally see pictures of people, but I did. Thank you. I wish I could draw. I would have, I would have painted it. Really. Pretty. Well, you know, maybe that's something we should do when I visit you. Yes. Oh, yes. yes. We'll just see some watercolors, and we'll, oh. we'll we'll have some fun because you know there's no right or wrong. Mm. We we know again if if you paint for others, you're never going to be happy with it. If you paint that's for you, paint for me, yeah. You now paint for you, and like you know, I have a little painting on the wall over here. You can't see it. Well, actually, mm. the one behind us. Oh. I painted that's my favorite childhood spot it's oh, it's a little waterfall really? and it's back in the woods behind my childhood house which oh, doesn't exist anymore but I painted that because I painted it for me I don't care yeah. if anybody else thinks oh, it it or not. yeah 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 oh, paint oh. for you and I have um, to start yes we'll do it I'll, <laughs> I want to help you oh that. bless you <laughs> thank you so much yeah it'll okay. be fun Oh my goodness. We've been talking for an hour. Can you believe that? And I have still had so many questions I wanted to ask you, but we'll have to do that one in person. Oh, we will. I want to go back a little bit to Bob and Cowgirl. Would you consider doing a podcast? Because I think it sounds like a a thing I would love to be a part of, but I'm all the way across the pond. So here's my thought. I love the, the idea of the blog and everything, but maybe do like a podcast or do a even like Zoom meetings, you know? Yes. What do you think? I do. I want to. And I was thinking, and, and you know, when you and I did the Instagram live and now this, and I, I now know how it's done as yes. I've never done it before. So I was thinking maybe my Bourbon Cowgirl of the Month, which uh, you will definitely be invited to be a Bourbon Cowgirl of the Month and do, we'll do your, your, your interview. You know, I was thinking we could do those with Instagram lives or something like that. But yeah. I also, one of my intentions was, is to, to gather a little tribe of bourbon cowgirls and have, you know, if you've been part of the bourbon cowgirl of the month, then you're part of the tribe and we could do it maybe even every two months or even, you know, whatever, have a a little virtual happy hour, right? you know, and just catch up and talk about, you know, celebrate each other's accomplishments or talk each other through the downfalls and, and, you know, kind of make our little tribe of, people from around the world who can kind of coach each other through life a little bit, because I think that's what we need. I agree. I agree. And learning from each other's experiences, because we can't, no one's going to have all the experiences, but if we put our little bits together, then we can get a more rounded view of life and 
and also draw strength from one another as well. Yes. Yes. And, and over time, I mean, I've had friends who have told me it's, it's okay to let go of Jack and Jill interiors and put on the back burner. It's not, it doesn't define who you are. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, it's so hard because we, as nurturing creatures, we women, you know, we, we, like, I think you said the other day, our business is our baby. It's like mm-hmm. our baby. It's not, of course. I mean, we, we love our babies more than that, but, mm-hmm. but it's like our baby. Right. And we, we put so much of our heart and soul into it. So how do you then let it go? Let it go. I know it's, it's hard. And do you know, it's funny that I only realized about a week and a half, two weeks ago. So I knew what I was doing, what I'm about to say. I knew what I was doing, but I did not consciously realize that it was deliberate. Well, I knew it was deliberate, but I didn't understand what I was doing. And I'll tell you what it is. So having come from the US and I came over here, if you go on to the baby cut shop Instagram page, for example, and then you go onto my personal page, the only indication that I'm a nursery interior designer or I own the baby cut shop is in the bio. All of the posts, there is nothing remotely close on there. And I realized that I had deliberately separated the two because of trauma or the pain of losing my first business. So now I see the baby cut shop as something that could potentially hurt me if I lose that. And I want to hold on to the, the persona that I know is always going to be there, which is me. I don't know if that makes sense or not, but I it doesn't make sense. So yeah, that's been, and, and that mindset has actually affected how I run the baby cut shop. And I think that I've lost many opportunities to grow as much as I could possibly grow because I'm holding back and and I'm not putting my face to the business. I mean, it's there because I had no choice, but it's all of that stuff. So that's some interesting thing that's going on in my mind these days. And I'm trying to figure out and work my way through it. It is difficult. And, I, and it brings to mind my my journey of becoming a mother. I, I remember I did the same kind of thing in a different way, but mm-hmm. I wanted so badly all my life to be a mom. Mm-hmm. And I had Luke. Uh, was not an easy thing to get Luke. And then after Luke was born, I had two miscarriages and uh, they were very, the second was very difficult. I was second trimester and I didn't think I could have more babies. So my husband and I started an adoption. We were adopting a little girl from Korea and we were, we'd gone through all the classes and the home visits and everything. And all of a sudden I'm pregnant. And I, and I remember thinking, I don't even remember how this happened. So, and I went through the entire pregnancy with Ethan terrified. I was going to lose him. So I just, I was bumped out to here, but I didn't buy, you know, for the two babies I'd miscarried, I'd bought blankets. I'd prepared the nursery. I had, I had just embraced, I had selected names and everything else. And, and I went through the pregnancy with Ethan, not attaching myself to it. Because I was so afraid it was going That's to go away, right? right? It's the same type of thing. You are not attaching yourself to baby yeah. car shop because you're so afraid it's going to, you're going to lose it. Yeah. And so I remember going to the hospital the day they were inducing me for Ethan. And I, I looked at my husband, I said, he's really coming. We're, we're going to have a baby today, <laughs> you know? And I, and I just held my breath through it. And even when he was born, I was like, I, I was Am I going to hurt it? Like, is something going to happen? So, you know, you had to kind of 
protect yourself. Mm. And that's what you're doing right now. You're protecting yourself because of a past trauma, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I, I even went into my, my romantic life that way. I was, I didn't want to get married again to to, art is a wonderful, beautiful human, Mm -hmm. but I was perfectly content never getting married again because of past trauma Mm -hmm. in marriage. So we have to Mm -hmm. kind of sometimes go forward, but with, with faith, with faith, yeah. but also know that you're not going to let yourself get lost in it again, mm-hmm. you know? And then I think it's smart to keep it come somewhat separate, but also if you're having trouble, maybe moving forward in that, just push yourself a little each day mm-hmm. and just say, okay, if I do this, if, and I know it's kind of a gloom and doom way to look at things, but mm-hmm. what's the worst that can happen? That's well, true. okay. I'm going to think about the worst that can happen. Can I survive that? Mm-hmm. I think I can survive that. Yeah. That's, I love that. That's such a good way of looking at it. It sounds terrible though. It's like, okay, no, what's the worst but thing? thing? <laughs> no, but, but that's, that's really the one thing that we have to do is really what's the worst that could happen because it's the fear of something that's holding me back. Right. So I do need to face that fear. What is the worst of the fears and then see myself overcoming that and conquering that. And I really can't wait to meet Art. I can tell he's a wonderful person. Just from his smile, his eyes, he just seems so gentle. He was a godsend. He, and I told you the other day, but I'll repeat it here for, for whoever might be listening, but he, He's the first man that ever said to me, I, I pray for you. For you. Yeah, you said that's beautiful. My friend, and he was just saying, I pray for you. I pray that you'll find someone who loves you more than he loves himself. And yeah. he had this beautiful, eloquent prayer. And I could probably call him into the room and ask him to repeat. Oh. But he had this beautiful, elo- eloquent prayer that he would say for me. And he would tell me every once in a while what that prayer was. And it was it was so foreign to me to have a man just give me that kind of unconditional love oh. without any romantic strings. Right. Yeah. He's a That's beautiful. beautiful. I'm so happy for you. Thank you. you are you not, when are you going to be a year? You're not a year yet. Are you? It'll be a year on June, June 4th. Okay. Oh, gorgeous. Congratulations in advance. So you're, we're, you're more than halfway into your first anniversary now, your first yeah. year. Yes. Oh. And I think we might, we haven't taken a honeymoon. So we keep tossing around coming to London. London, it's got to uh-huh. be London. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, hopping around a little bit from there. Yeah, so. around Europe. Oh my goodness. Now I can't wait to meet you. Likewise. Listen, this has been absolutely wonderful chatting with you. Oh, and uh, just tell us where people can find you. All okay. of your, all your yeah. many, biz- your gazillion businesses. <laughs> oh, no. Well, my pride and joy um, is, is actually the kayak Jack right yeah. now. Um, so it's kayakjack.com. It's my invention of a, a boat lift to get your kayak onto a roof rack. Amazing. Um, but we've found that everybody loves the logo so much. We've developed a clothing brand around it because it's just oh. fun little woody station wagon with a kayak on top. So kayakjack.com, the ta- the handle on social media is at the kayak jack okay. on everything. Okay, great. Bourbon Cowgirl is bourboncowgirl.com. And the handle on everything is bourbon cowgirl at bourbon cowgirl. So it's pretty easy um, to find me. Those are my two. Excellent. Brilliant. We will go hunting for them and we would like them and look forward to the bourbon cowgirl blog coming back up again. Thank you. You will definitely be a part of that. I'm going to hold you to it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Sherry. It has been an absolute pleasure chatting with you. 
And leave it inside out. I'm sure you enjoy this episode. Please check out Sherry's businesses and her social media handle and follow her. And if you've got any questions for her, because she is a sage, she has been through life, she has experienced uh, areas in life that many people haven't, and she's come through on top. She's definitely a rock star. So if you've got any questions for her or comments on this episode, please leave them in the comments box below. But in the meantime, remember to leave from the inside out. Thank you for listening. Thanks, Sherry. Thank you so much for having me.